0: You're listening to the Comic Crusaders Podcast. I am your host, Al Mega, CEO of Comic Crusaders and Undercover Capes. In this show, I'm sitting down with creators from all walks of life to talk about inspiration, process, the lessons they've learned, and a whole lot more. What up, what up, everybody? It's your boy, Al Mega. Welcome to a brand new Comic Crusaders Podcast. Yo, number 200. Do you believe it? Wow. Wow. Well, today we got somebody that's really inspirational. I mean, he's a dude from a teacher, but really, he's gonna be on here teaching us some new things. Let me tell you, all right. Um, he uh, he's also a uh, now a writer. He's a publisher, graphic novelist. I mean, he was teaching like um graphic novel class for three years. You believe that, folks? I mean, this is somebody that was actually teaching the future. We never know who from his class is gonna be the next superstar. Let me introduce the one, the one, the very amazing. See. Jay, stand up! How you doing, bro? <laughs> pretty good.
1: Thanks for having me, Alan. Congrats on 200 episodes. That's pretty a pretty big deal. I yeah, know man,
0: you're number 200. <laughs> Yo, look at you! Yeah. But, and I mean, but I I, w- I couldn't be happier because you're somebody that actually, you know, your teachers so salute to you. Thank you for your service because yep, I know that a lot a lot of educators go uh, unrecognized. But thank you for what you've done to, to educate the next generation. That's awesome.
1: Yeah, and, I appreciate um,
0: that. Yeah, man, that's real talk. So. Talk talk to me, CJ. Origin story. Where where do you? Where were you? Where are you from originally? Where you at now? And how did you fall in love with this fandom? This crazy fandom of ours. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, it can be crazy at times, but always fun.
0: Um, so I was born in a
1: suburb, Plymouth, Minnesota, a suburb right outside Minneapolis. I grew up there, kind of all through high school. Um, and then I moved to Madison, Wisconsin, for college here, and then. Got my teaching license in Wisconsin and stuck around here. I was teaching uh, nearby some prairie. um, And I've just been in Madison for the last 15-ish years. Um, So that's kind of, I guess, uh, some of the basic bio details. As far as, like, my comic fandom origin story, um, it it really started – Actually, with like cartoons, so I was a big fan of the '90s, like X Men, Batman, Spider Man. Oh, the good stuff! Oh, yeah, yeah, the the classics. Um, (laughs) And so, so I got—I was really into that stuff, and just my parents kind of saw that. And so, for Christmas one year, they got me a box of like a big, thick box of like 25. Single X Men comics, uh, 90s X Men, so I got kind of thrown right into the deep water. I love 90s X Men, but it's not necessarily always the the, the, the easiest movie, to understand and the most streamlined.
0: <laughs> exactly, and not for a kid too, because that, that was definitely some heavy topics. No yeah, well. definitely. Uh, But I still got hooked, and just really I became like a weekly
1: warrior, kind of uh, end of high school, beginning of college. Um, I haven't – I've kind of since backed off a little bit more. I'm no longer really a weekly warrior. I really do just kind of go to the comic stores and libraries um, kind of whenever I'm seeing something that catches my eye. Um, And to be honest, part of the reason that I I backtracked from the weekly warrior a little bit was to save a little money to pay my artists um, for Rebirth the Gangster Juan Rivera. And Jam Ringway for Beowulf.
0: Well, look at that. I mean, there you go, folks. You see this? A real creative. So growing up, where you grew up, was it easy to find like-minded, you know, fandom, you know, kids, you know, that like what you like? Or were you kind of a lone wolf in this geek culture? So
1: I think generally I was more of like a lone wolf in this geek culture. I was able to, I guess, find uh, some friends who also were kind of interested in the cartoons um, and maybe okay. like any of the movies that were coming out or had come out previously. But I didn't really have many friends that were interested in comics. Um, I had one friend who like kind of dabbled in for a couple years and then he left comics. Yeah. Um, and 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 then uh, like maybe 10 years later, I had another friend do something similar. So <laughs> I have always had kind of these brief moments of, I guess, like no. be, being –
0: those brief moments celebrate. in time. Snap. Yeah. Snap.
1: I remember. I got, <laughs> got too quickly. So uh, so so it's so I guess I'm kind of like I was straddling the worlds of being a lone wolf and also having um, kind of like, yeah, a cohort of geeks to, to talk to all this stuff about. So I think I was able to get kind of both the pros and the cons of okay. both sides.
0: Okay. Is it a big thing in the community you were in, though? Was it something that a lot of kids enjoyed or, again, it was, was it, I don't know, just the community as a whole? But I know I grew up in Brooklyn, so I had comic shops, you know, everywhere, toy stores. So it was kind of always in my face.
1: That's sure. That's kind of so,
0: what
1: I mean. Yeah, again, comics weren't so much in my face. Um, okay. Again, maybe things like toys from the te- the cartoons and stuff like that. Um, I'd go to friends and we'd be playing with that or playing with, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys, stuff like that. So I think it was it was more um growing up, it was more like kind of th- that aspect of geek culture and comics okay. um kind of more the, the tangential aspects that were so- really embraced by a bunch of people and then there were comic stores um pretty nearby, like I think the closest was like ten fifteen minutes away, and there were- co- probably a couple within my yeah. like my zip code um so it's not like they were they were gone, but I would say it was a very they were specialty stores definitely that um <laughs> You you Not had just, to go in there with a purpose. It wasn't kind of like a random people walk in and stop. Um, yeah. Um, that being said, though, when, uh, I in, when I was in high school, I, I did bring in some of my friends to um to comic mm-hmm. store trips. Just we'd be like eating dinner. Somewhere nearby yeah. and then they'll be like, Hey, I want to check stuff out and they they, they kind of wanted to come in. They yeah, didn't really uh, end up buying comics, but they did get into like that hero clicks craze.
0: Yeah, so, they did. Why not yeah. comics? What's wrong with them? Anyway, but I, I love that though. I do the same shit, bro. Because if I know there's a comic shop locally, I don't say anything until after everybody's full and happy. Like, hey, <laughs> by the way, there's a comic shop. Do you mind if I check it out? You want to come in? It's probably be kind of cool stuff. Hey. Yeah, let's, hey, let's come on. Right,
1: exactly. <laughs> let's walk let's walk off that dinner. You don't want to just go. Yeah, see yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah or... bro. Hey, yo, bro. Yo, yo, oh man, bro. If we would scheme so well together, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, when did when, when the when did the creative bug bite you? When sure. did that happen? So,
1: I think it it kind of was in the back of my head um from high school on, but it's something that it was always like, I'll I'll get it done. I'll do it at some point. This is something I want to be part of my life, but I just didn't really I uh, I didn't have like the, the wheels hit the pavement. I didn't really get going for a long time. So it actually was a probably about half half uh, way into my teaching career. So about five years in. So kind of mid to late late twenties. Um, I had gone to a convention um, one of the Wizard Worlds in Madison, and there was a uh, like a panel of a bunch of independent creators, and they just were, were really kind of gun ho about if you got a, if you got some ideas, if you've got this passion, you should just go for it.
0: You yeah, might not probably. be
1: able to get with that big company with the marvel dc image etc but um at, at some point you're the only one that's really stopping yourself from from making your dream or your passion a reality and so kind of that along with i've been really kind of mulling it over the 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 ideas that would eventually become rebirth of the gangster kind of those two things were really kind of coming in together and so yeah about kind of seven years ago is really when i started brainstorming everything for rebirth of the gangster with the intent of creating a comic, um and a, a twenty four issue comic series that would be four graphic novels. So I kind of brainstormed a bunch of stuff and then winnowed it down into a twenty four issue outline and then kind of the rest is history if I'm if I'm gonna be uh, um, kind of jumping over a lot of other details.
0: I hear you, yeah. We're gonna talk about that, you know, what what, what level we're at, you know, with sure. the book. But um yep. So what type of research would you do with this rebirth of the gangster? Um, so and who is the character Any and the inspirations? Give me all this goodness.
1: Sure. So I guess the research, I guess there's like the type of research that every writer and creator does is just being inspired by the things that you read or see that you love. So so I grew up kind of loving like A Hundred Bullets by Azzarello and Russo. Oh, so kind of that great book, especially Russo. I love that art. Yeah, um, and so I kind of grew up, that was kind of my first foray into noir, but then I kind of jumped into some of the old school noir, like Raymond Chandler, Dashiell Hammett. Oh, wow. Um I was a fan of things that I guess like noir adjacent, like the Godfather, the wire, stuff like that. So there, I had I had a lot of these influences for kind of the tone and some like I guess some of the like the tropes that I wanted to explore and play with. Um so that was, I guess, one aspect of research. I did also read um, I think the author's name is Blake Snyder. He's like a Hollywood script successful hollywood script writer uh screenwriter and he wrote at least one book i think he's written multiple books about screenwriting um but one book that i read was uh, was by blake was save the cat which kind of walks you through some of the kind of just again like the tropes or the traditional story arc that a, a good screenplay or really any story should have and so while i didn't necessarily follow every single piece of information or every single guideline there it was definitely helpful for for me to kind of go from that stage i mentioned earlier i'd done a bunch of brainstorming and then i kind of winnowed it down into an outline and kind of step in between was reading that book and kind of as i was reading it jotting down notes of what things could be combined into characters or scenes to kind of hit some of those story beats and also make it instead of make it a 24 issue series instead of like a 50 100 issue series
0: what is just what type of prior education did you have prior to even trying to put this baby together.
1: What part of education? So um, just public school um, all
0: the way through high school and then
1: UW-Madison for a college. And so I did um, – at UW-Madison, I did um, – I had two majors, English education and then history. So I kind of did a lot of reading of just not just literature but also a lot of non-fictional um, summaries of very different parts around – the world, very different cultures and eras around the world. And so I think that does kind of help me give – give me like a wider perspective – um, and you had mentioned a, a little, or a part of your question earlier was like some of the research or the inspiration for the characters. And I think one of the things I wanted with Rebirth of the Gangster that was partly, um, partly a, a response to kind of seeing all those different cultures, different perspectives, is I really wanted to bring in a lot of different types of characters into Rebirth of the Gangster, um, and kind of sometimes subvert some tropes, um, and so, for instance, the two main two yeah. two of the main characters, Hunter Thompson and Marcus Anderson, we kind of have kind of the like the high class um, African American gentleman in Marcus, and then kind of the low class blue collar worker with Hunter. And that was one way to kind of flip su- or subvert some tropes, just because I think we often yeah. see kind of it's the the the, the white guy. It's that's always the opposite. The yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. So so I did things like that, but then I also wanted to bring in some um, Marcus's mom, his mom the the cop that's on their tail is mexican and then we also have some kind of just different aspects of characters some are religious some are not some are um trying to put the past behind them some of them are trying to live in the past some of them are trying to work within the system some of them aren't trying to work within the system and i really wanted to do um something similar to the wire which is like you get like a whole view of a city or like a microcosm that represents the the city at large um i'm not going to claim that i did it anywhere near as well as the wire because <laughs> the wire is hands down one of the best tv shows ever um, but that was definitely some of the inspiration and in trying to bring in a bunch of different characters and making it um while there are those two char- main characters marcus and hunter i really wanted to make it a, like an ensemble piece so we could really explore a lot of different themes a lot of different character motivations a lot of different um just situations people living in the modern city can be experiencing
0: Gotcha. You know, I, I want to show people a little tease of what we're talking about here, because yeah, this you know, cool video. Wait, wait, let me make sure they. Yeah, that audio's on. It better be. All right, folks, check this out. It's a nice little tease right here. Let me know if you hear it. See
1: So I'm not hearing the the music.
0: But... All right. So give me one second then, because this is what technology loves to do to me. Yeah, of course. You know what it is, bro. And while you're doing
1: that, I can just give a little context. This is the trailer I released about a year and a half ago when Act 3, the third of the four um, graphic novels came out. So um, it's kind of where I was about a year and a half ago. And then in a few months here, we're actually going to be releasing the last issue of of the series. And then a few months after that, we'll be releasing Act 4 and
0: doing something similar for Act 4. um, He said the last issue, folks. He said the last issue is trying to break our heart. Let's check this out. (laughs)
1: Yep, I'm
0: hearing it. the a lot man look at that oh, Juan Romero is incredible definitely see a lot of inspiration it's gorgeous look at that yeah it's beautiful I
1: can't say enough about how much I've, I've loved working with Juan Romero um collaborating with him once this series ends, I definitely need to get a, a some other story idea to to
0: reunite with him. You gotta do it, hell yeah! When you find a good partner, ooh! Look at that! Look at that whole cast of characters right there, dope. Look at that. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, whatever books and graphic novels are sold, yo. Talk, talk about that, yo. I mean getting into the bookstores and all that stuff uh, uh, you know and is this your first baby that you put out there into the world
1: So Rebirth of the Gangster is my first baby
0: that I put out into the world um kind
1: of starting with uh, around act 2 the second graphic novel I started doing some other stuff in addition to Rebirth of the Gangster Beowulf is another graphic novel series and then I have a collection of essays um titled Outside the Panels which I can get into those a little bit more uh-huh. uh, later but well,
0: re- We have a podcast called Outside the Panels <laughs> oh, Yep yeah. uh yep
1: yeah. uh I might have been stepping on some toes there. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Um,
1: But yeah, so this, yeah, this was my first thing uh, that I did. So actually the first uh, issue, I just kind of released contact as many reviewers as I could um, and was at that moment using, um, since it was all digital, I wasn't really using any sort of print distributor at that point. Um, Essentially each, each collection's issues are originally released digitally, and then they are collected at the end of each story arc uh, after each six issues are collected in print. And so I kind of started just using KDP, Kindle Direct Publishing, and Comixology to, to make them available for... Uh, for... Rest
0: in peace, Comicsology. Yeah,
1: rest <laughs> in peace. I have definitely mixed thoughts about that situation.
0: I'm sure. A lot of theaters do, apparently.
1: So I was kind of... That's kind of... I got my first start... Kind of just, I guess, kind of dipping the toes in the water with production and distribution in terms of just dis- digital distribution and then kind of starting with a smaller network of reviewers, oh, podcasters, yeah. things like that to get kind of started. Eventually, I then moved to create space for the print edition, which got gobbled up also by Amazon. So oh, wow. I. I, I just do yeah, yeah, Oh my
0: god. What's going on here? Wherever <laughs> CJ goes, Amazon goes. Do they have a tracker on you? Is that what's going
1: on? <laughs> they should, you never know. I just <laughs> I like to like to burn all the bridges, I
0: guess. <laughs> uh <laughs> oh CJ is like uh, when Galvatron comes on the scene, like oh so Unicron's yeah. coming.
1: Um, so I was with KDP for a while, but I've actually switched switched to, uh, for my print distribution to Ingram Spark. I still do KDP and before Comixology's shift, I was doing Comixology um, for the digital. But for the print distribution, I ended up switching to Ingram Spark, um, yeah. which is a kind of a publisher or distributor printer for um, small press independent publishers. And it's just making that switch. I've noticed that I've definitely been seeing a lot more sales in general, but also kind of expanding more to bookstores and library markets. People want print. Exactly. They want print, but bookstores and libraries are understandably a little hesitant about buying from KDP as a distributor since Amazon yep. is the one kind of taking po- money out of their pockets. They don't want to yep. give Amazon more money. Um,
0: Who wants to give them more money,
1: <laughs> right? Okay. Um, so that is why I kind of made that shift, just because I wanted more, more, um, more people to have access to it and to be money. more likely to actually to buy it, purchase it, and get it kind of out around the country. Um, and as I was going through, kind of, I kind of summarized my my kind of printing and distributions. Yeah. Uh, journey. I just also kept adding more and more podcasts, more and more awesome. places for review. Um sometimes it's just kind of doing cold calls or like the email version of cold and calls. The cold actually, email. Hell yeah. Yep, which which is how I got here. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, hey, um, it was cold like a fish, but Almega yeah. warmed it up. I said, hell yeah, bro. We're talking about gangsters? I need to know all about this.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and so, so somewhere through that, some of them I, are just some random happenstance connections, like what somebody I, somebody who I went to college with, he is from kind of the Virginia area, and he knew somebody who's high up in graphic policy, so that let me get oh, to nice. graphic policy, oh. um, and then I formed some, some, um over like social media formed some some connection with Christine Chester from Fanbase Press and so I kind of was able oh, to get nice. started and
0: reviewed there. I can't remember this dope too man. yeah, Barbara from over there, I know. Yep.
1: Awesome. Barbara, yep. So I kind of got to know them both very well and um now I'm actually more contacting Barbara because um, Christine is in some publisher that I had actually submitted Rebirth the Gangster to after the first um, volume or two because gotcha. I did a second round of submissions for publishers after I'd had a little few issues under the belt. Yeah. Um, and so for conflict of interest, she can't really review my stuff anymore.
0: Gotcha, um, gotcha. Hey, bro, you know you got to put your stuff everywhere, man. It's about you know getting it out there, the story. Yep. So talk about this look at this cast i see right there on the, on the corner i mean tell me everything bro i mean what, what space did you even get into when you were doing this bro where were you mentally
1: sure so i guess it was that the the birth of these ideas really started in the end of college um, and it really was started as like the, a, a story between, about fathers and sons and a story about kind of the 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 divide between rich and poor the haves and have nots and like how much of that is just and earned versus how much of that happens just because of systemic or other systemic uh, reasons or other reasons and so that was i guess like that was the big idea that was in my head and um the fathers and sons angle specifically is something that kind of i guess has interested me i've always been drawn to stories that 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 just focus on the relationship between fathers and sons part of that is because my dad um he's an accountant he worked very, very long hours, um, like during tax season, he'd probably be working like 70-hour work weeks. Um, and oh, wow. so growing up, I didn't necessarily feel like I had the best, the biggest, closest connection with him.
0: Oh, god. You were like, um, where's that dude that lives here? Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, <laughs> I know that since kind of in my mid-20s, we definitely have had some heart-to-hearts about kind of that situation growing up, and we're definitely a lot closer than we were before. Yeah. Then
0: I think um, it happens to all of us. That's the yeah. interesting part of it as we get older. Is where okay? We I don't know. Is it us getting older or them? Is there like we that we both reach a crossroads? Is it of understanding finally?
1: I yeah, mean, I don't I know think... what
0: it is, but it happens. The youth were rebellious, but there's that point <laughs> that there's that point that okay. Let's let's chat like men, and then next thing you know, you guys are homies and shit. You know? Right,
1: exactly. Yeah, I think I don't know what it is either. I think it's a little bit of both of me having some maturity of being able to kind of see a bigger picture, and also maybe start to see Absolutely. some of the some of the traits in my dad that I I didn't think were part of me, and I start to yeah. see them them becoming more apparent.
0: You're like that yeah, commercial. You're becoming your parents and shit. No, no, no. Yeah, take all those pillows no. off the sofa. People got to sit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: it is exactly what it is. Um, and then I think from his perspective, obviously I'm just – this is pure conjecture, but I think it's just that he had about 10 years' uh, distance between kind of the situation we were talking about and when we were actually talking about it. And got
0: sometimes it. just that
1: distance is all you need to see things with a clearer eye oh, absolutely. Um, from Time. both parties.
0: Time heals all wounds, kiddo, and, yeah, and, and like you said, clarity is a mm-hmm. solution part of the the healing process over time, which has allowed you to obviously get so creative and create this whole world, bro, an atmosphere here. Right. Yep. Um,
1: and so yeah, so those were a lot of the influences. Um, in addition to being like a father son saga, it is it does also just focus on the costs of. Uh, like family secrets and just family drama,
0: really. Bochinche, um, like us, us Latinos say, bochinche. That's gossip, <laughs> all that drama. Yeah, bro.
1: Yep. And, and to get a little another personal with that, the, I guess another imp, part of the impulse, the reason I wanted to do this is that my family definitely had some interesting uh, interesting makeup, interesting drama. Um, My
0: brother, I, I don't think there's a family that could say that they have not had something absolutely like nuts happen. Yeah, that's if, true. if that family exists, then you guys must be very happy. Right, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah,
1: they say, they say there really is no
0: real average family. It's just we
1: pretend yeah. there is.
0: Yeah. Um and then it, maybe, maybe who has the last most fucked up events in the, in their lifetime. <laughs> right. Okay. Right,
1: actually. Yeah. And in some ways actually having that like average family vision in your head is almost bad because then you're like, Well, my family doesn't meet up to that and no family does, yeah. but no, exactly. it leads to some bad feelings regardless. So so um yeah, not to get too into that, but yeah, there was definitely some family drama. I guess the the main thing is that my parents Divorced. My step parents divorced, and they essentially swept partners. So my, so my step mom and step dad used to be married to each other, and
0: they divorced. Yeah.
1: So it's a little dosey do square dancing type thing. Oh wow. (laughs) Um, Okay,
0: I'm tired. You want (laughs) to trade? Yeah. And so
1: just that led to, and there was some stuff that happened in between, like the four of them that we never knew about.
0: Oh (laughs) god. And there was some like
1: just kind of a lot of the drama because. I think my parents ended their their marriage relatively amicably, but my step parents didn't, and so there was like some drama and animosity from that. Oh. Um, and so I guess I always just wanted to experience this idea, yeah, again, of how how fathers and sons interact and how their how their relationship evolves and changes, but then also how that's part of a bigger piece of the puzzle, how it's part of a bigger um just kind of story and or narrative with no, family family secrets family drama and like the the, the yeah. push and pull of how much do we want do we owe them versus how much do we i love this do we i guess also owe them but for negative things how much do we want to push away from them how much right.
0: do we want to be close this to this is a novella bro this is a this needs to be on telemundo
1: yeah, <laughs> be, yeah. I'm
0: joking. <laughs> i mean you, you you're going deep on this i love it um I mean, if you had like a, a choice, you want this to kind of be a TV series, a movie. I mean, how would you love this to go? I mean, and, and do you maybe have that to be part of the bigger picture?
1: So, um, I think ideally, what this would be would be like the one season of an anthology series for oh. TV. Um, oh, I think there could be like the- a rebirth of the gangster anthology show. That the first season would just be the comics, and then the or this comic series, and then the other other seasons would be other.
0: Ah. Uh. Other Big noir
1: it. or criminal or I love that type of stuff, man. That's what stories. we
0: need. That's what TV is missing. I remember yep. growing up, watching Monsters, Tales from the Dark Side, Twilight Zone, amazing <laughs> stories. I mean, we had such cool stuff growing up. And it's like, wow, where is that now? The one and done yeah. stories, you know, yeah, in this season. It's definitely becoming too much a thing of the
1: past. And I guess I would also think it'd be cool if the others, the subsequent seasons would be other Adaptations of other comic book properties that fill this kind of
0: noir ooh, crime, ooh. murder so, mystery. So how how big is this world? I mean, are you expanding it beyond this or what? Or is this kind of because you're talking about you're gonna end the series finally, right? Because you, you, you've achieved yeah. your goal of four mm-hmm. volume, so that's 24 comics, six per graphic. So that's right. Yep. Okay.
1: Um so so my goal, at, re- at least right now, is just to end with issue 24 to get out that fourth trade and then to be done with the series for now. Um, I do have a prequel in my head or a prologue in oh. my head of of the, the, of the Hunter and Marcus's parents when they're younger. Um, since a lot of what happens, what they did in the past and what happened to them in the past – directly influences Marcus and Hunter in this story and um, oh. specifically influences I haven't really I haven't really talked much about the plot, but essentially Marcus and T- Hunter are the the sons of these two families, the Anderson and the Thompson Anderson and the Thompsons, who have Run together in the past, doing some dark, shady stuff that they don't know um, about. Uh, As the series starts, though, they start to find business. out more. They start to find out more and more about what happened in the past, including how it has um, tied to unsolved murders, for instance, and then through that Hunter learns something that makes him want to get revenge on Marcus and the rest of the the Thompson family, Marcus's parents. Um, So I've, I've kind of wanted to do a prequel to see what really happened between these sets of parents. Um, So I think that would be an interesting thing to do down the road. I do need, I think a few years break from this to kind of get again just some perspective, but also to to work on some other projects I have that I've like started or really want to start. I've done some maybe brainstorming, and so I kind of have that. One of one thing about me as a creator is I get like when I've been doing one type of writing a long time, I get like that itch to be like,
0: yeah, time for a change. I
1: got to do. Yep, time for a change. Um, so I don't really plan on expanding this the world quite yet, but I do. Yeah. Like I said, I have some some ideas for a prequel.
0: It's really awesome that you recognize that, though. You know, not many creators will will, will listen to the itch, if you will. So you know, it's good on you. I mean, is that something that that, that you you picked up on? I mean, what is it? I mean, do you, you, you get bored and you say, nah? I have a new idea, and it's totally up. How does that even work from a creative perspective for you?
1: Um, so I think. There are kind of two, I guess, paths with kind of that, that, I guess, the the genesis of an idea, Um, especially, I guess, when I'm in the middle of like something else. Like when I was writing Rebirth of the Gangster, I suddenly got this idea for um, I've been working in crime thriller, but I want to do some different genre. I don't want to make too big of a leap yet. um, So I decided to do a horror thriller. So that was my way of kind of I knew that I wanted to do like a genre that was a lot closer than going from like maybe like crime to like romance or something like that
0: oh, you know, horror, oh, horror yeah.
1: and crime kind of connect a little bit more at least in Indeed. the tone and so i was looking for a different type of story but i guess i wanted to kind of ease that transition with um being able to use some 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 tonal similarities so that it's not like i'm learning everything brand new from scratch on this new idea um yeah, baby least, steps. <laughs> yeah. um and then so so I kind of knew that was the the story that or like that was the area I wanted my story to go in. And then I kind of dug deep into some of my, uh, some of my older inspirations in terms of horror, but then also something that doesn't necessarily seem horror, but I think can be horror or or at least horror adventure adjacent. And so I've uh, so I've always been a, a big fan, at least of like the Lovecraftian mythos. There are definitely probably Oh, as, I
0: love Lovecraft, the, bro. Yeah. That motherfucker uh, was sick. He's a sick. He's a sicko. Old- Great, great great stories i mean i've seen every, possibly every movie that's related to a Lovecraft because i mean he was a genius beyond his time you know obviously his writing dated writing i mean don't get offended people but <laughs> yeah. but but, yeah. but i mean it was some crazy shit in his time i mean this man was ahead of his time oh
1: hugely ahead of his time you're seeing a lot of horror just now playing catch up to him oh well, yeah if they're not playing catch up they are stealing from him
0: <laughs> I, yeah you ain't lying your salute to that brother fellow lovecraftian yep, thank you definitely. bro
1: um, so I knew I wanted to do something kind of with the Lovecraftian mythos, um, especially kind of like the Elder Gods mythos um, of, of mm. these these other dimensional beings that used to belong to our dimension
0: and Probably reality,
1: used. like <laughs> threatening us. And there's always like the threat that they're going to rise. And so mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to play with that. Um, but I did also with Lovecraft want to, to kind of tweak that approach and the story to correct something we've. Or I think correct <laughs> might be giving myself too much credit To at least try to make it a little bit better Of a, an approach than Some of the, the dated things that Lovecraft did a Dated
0: language from then absolutely yeah. so, and, and, and stuff I mean again it's heavy Don't ban stuff because he was a genius Again it's yeah. like, you know, that's what I hate about the coaches Please understand that was of the time So allow that to exist You could say look this is how they did it then Look how we do it now Do you see the growth yeah. Instead of, Instead of trying to cancel something and hide it Which is not good Right, yeah.
1: Give us the context, show us, and then yes,
0: show absolutely. us where
1: we've gone from that and then also maybe where we can go further from that. So, At-
0: Preach, my brother. Absolutely. Um,
1: but yeah, I don't think you're getting too many arguments from a history teacher saying we should be looking at things from the past. Or not, yeah, not a history teacher, sorry. I, I, I was yeah. an English teacher, but a history major, sorry.
0: Oh, but <laughs> I love history too in school. As you, I, what My wife thinks I'm such a geek because I, I be watching the history channel and I'm like all in it and I take notes on stuff sometimes because I have my own ideas. and she's like, you're such a geek. Like I love yeah. it. It has to be repeats itself if you really pay attention.
1: Yep, it repeats itself. It might not repeat itself exactly, but at least it rhymes. Yeah. I think it's like a paraphrase of something that.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it happens, happens on like a multiverse level. <laughs>
1: yeah, multiverse level. Right,
0: um,
1: cool. So yeah, I knew I wanted to do that, but I guess I was looking for something to make it a little bit more unique. Part of it was bringing it to the modern day, and that was one way to kind of, I guess, try to 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 get away from some of the dated elements of Lovecraftian yeah. writing, but I also knew I wanted to put another spin on it. And so I really can't actually remember what made me think of Beow- Beowulf, but Beowulf, <laughs> I, I, I don't remember what made me think of it, but once I thought of Beowulf, I realized like, Oh, Beowulf kills Grendel. And then that turns out that's not the real threat. The mother's the real threat. Yeah. And to me, that kind of seemed like there could be a way to, to take that part of the story arc and combine it with, Lovecraftian and mythos and make it kind of ter- use that to turn it into more like of a, an old school serialized storytelling where we have like the a plot, um, which I guess for lack of a better analogy, I'll, I'll just call like, that's the Grendel plot. Our, our hero <laughs> facing that, that first main monster that we think is yeah. the main monster. And then at the end that actually introduces the B plot of these exiled gods. I call them, which is my take on the elder gods. Yeah. Um, that like, this is the bigger threat. Um, for lack of a better analogy, it's Grendel's mother. And so I kind of, something about that just fit really well for me. And it was a way to then continue doing some kind of like more one and done stories, or at least more self-contained stories that build towards that, that bigger um, exiled God storyline while also having Mm -hmm. a bunch of these monsters, a bunch of these Grendels um, to, to kind of, I guess, level our hero up and like suck you into the world so that there's this big, big climactic battle with the, that, that, with grendel's mother with the exiled gods there um so that was that's kind of how that 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 those ideas meshed together and then i also just realized in addition to like wanting to kind of there was something about lovecraft that didn't sit well with me which is we've kind of mentioned the dating yeah. stuff. there was also one thing about beowulf, beowulf story that never really got never sat well with me it's supposed to be like this big heroic epic and when you read like the original or when you read the epic or at least the translated version i've read like there are scenes where Beowulf is waiting for Grendel to get there. He's in the bed, and then Grendel comes in like in that big hall. He's killing a bunch of people, and then only finally when Grendel gets to Beowulf's bed does Beowulf jump up and like start taking on Grendel. And it's like, <laughs> could you have done that when he attacked the first? You know guy? what I mean? Like, Saving your he... people. What's you're like a part time. Yeah, you're like a part time hero, and right. so I guess. But that 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 idea of like he's this great hero, but he also isn't quite what we think a hero is, um, kind of influenced me a little bit of uh, in creating Brenda uh, Beowulf's main, <laughs> Beowulf's main character, uh, Brenda India. You know what it
0: was? Beowulf needed to smoke a blunt apparently, before <laughs> Grendel came, so he's like, hold on, let me smoke this and just feel relaxed before he comes here. So I so I'm more lucid when I yeah. you know, when I with the story play, You know what I
1: mean? That sounds sounds pretty like, likely. Uh, but yeah, so I wanted <laughs> I wanted a hero who had like. Who didn't fit the like the typical model of a hero? Who had some weird flaw? I, I don't quite know what I'd call that flaw with Beowulf. Beowulf. Well, you but... know what?
0: You know what? I know the flaw. He's just an asshole. You know <laughs> that it just act when he wants to. Like, okay, is, is this worth my time? Type attitude. Yeah, and so and that's kind of something
1: similar to Beowulf. So Brenda, I wanted her to have that like she's like that reluctant hero, and she's more in it for glory and for fame than for doing the right thing at least at the beginning that's kind of part of her journey is to try to see if she can get away from that motivation and I guess from my from my reading of Beowulf like 10 years ago so there's definitely some distance removed so I might be remembering <laughs> correctly. but I guess that was partly what I one thing I thought about Beowulf is that he he wanted to be the hero and he wanted the glory but he didn't quite so much care how how many people got hurt in the process yeah and I guess that's like that kind of motivation or that kind of perspective is makes that scene of Beowulf yeah. waiting it, for people to get killed until, yeah. and waiting for Grendel to finally
0: get him. It's like a Wolverine attack. type character, you know. Like everybody, respectfully, he's the killer, but you know, he's not really someone that they would want to kind of really hang out with. You know, what I mean, right. at the end of the day, it's like, all right, yo, know, you know, yeah, yeah, you're Ill, you're Ill at what you do, but all right, that's it, bro. You know, you can't be anything above that, apparently.
1: Yeah, and so and so. Brenda um in Beowulf became again somewhat similar like that like we can re- we can respect that she's a very good investigator that when she ha- when she's s- does that she set her mind to do something she's pretty good about doing it, mm. but we also have that hesitancy about like really identifying and supporting her because she's not necessarily the most emp- uh the most sympathetic and emp- yeah. empathetic character <laughs> at least at the beginning again, some of the journey is that she hopefully changes some of that um which is also kind of. To, to go back to this idea of like switching from one type of story to another, from Rebirth the Gangster to Beowulf. Yeah. That is kind of the opposite approach I had with characters in Rebirth the Gangster. So, Brenda and Beowulf, again, she kind of starts off not as likable, and the goal is to make her more likable wow. by the end.
0: Do, do a um, Carlton from Bel Air, from the current one, because I hated him, <laughs> and, by, and by the end of the show, I'm like, oh man, he's such a cool kid. <laughs> yeah.
1: So, yeah, I'm trying to do something like that. And Rebirth the Gangster was exactly the opposite. I wanted to, them to start like, let's each chapter focuses more intently on one of the six main characters and let's really get to know them so that we can really empathize with them, really like feel for them. And then we start That's to see them fun. maybe do some worse and worse things. And we lose some of that empathy, some of that, some of that sympathy. I don't, I don't think we lose all of it because again, we, we, we had that foundation to really get to know them. And we, even if we disagree with their actions, their motivation at least is understandable to us. Um, and so that was, again, I kind of like to do things like, when I'm switching to different projects, I like to do something a little different, but I guess, like I said, there's like something I like to build in those safety nets. Let's have some similar tone. A it's theme, core, a
0: theme, yes. but it's have a similar
1: tone and pacing as maybe awesome. rebirth, the gangster let's going to focus. Family on, is that yes, the core?
0: Yeah. I'm going <laughs> to
1: focus on only one character in Beowulf really, and a ensemble in rebirth, the gangster. So that's different, but I'm going to do something relatively similar. Yes. Just flipped. Um, and, and I mean, it's something similar in, in their character trajectory. Yes, it's flipped in like going from bottom to top to or from top to bottom in one and bottom to top in the other. So I guess that's kind of always how I've been approached trying to create and, and branch off into something new is to do something that is new, but also has some some things I can like some anchor points that I can latch latch onto that I have experience with, so that I can use that kind of again as like the safety net as a way to bolster me up while I'm trying these new things.
0: Wow, awesome! Look at that! Look at that, folks. So we could can, we could buy the the previous copies. How how can how can we read the previous material?
1: Sure. So you can print copies are really available. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, hey. any sort of bookstore. Graphic novel retailer um online you'll be able to get to them. If you like if you just randomly go into Barnes and Noble, they may or may not have the book on the shelf at that point, um, just because they don't they sell stop. out they sell out and they, they sell out. out.
0: That's what and it is, though.
1: They sell out and also depending on where it is, like the, the, the stores really close to me definitely are the ones repping me more than like maybe the one in like gotcha. Washington State or something like that.
0: Um, gotcha, gotcha.
1: But yeah, you can online get them anywhere that way. Digitally, it's it's Amazon or Comixology. You can get them. And this is for mm-hmm. Rebirth of the Gangster, um, uh, Beowulf, and outside the panels, you can get those all digitally um, Ooh, on Amazon or KD Peak awesome. Comicsology. Um, my short story or my essay collections of essays outside the panels—that's actually print everywhere. And then it also has nice. an ebook that is available everywhere, not just Amazon and not just Comicsology. You could go to Barnes and Noble and get it.
0: Hey, um, well, you're and, everywhere, kiddo. Look at you, Jeff, uh, That's
1: great. <laughs> yeah, I, slow bit surely. I kind of started with the yeah, digital, then print. Um, then oh, that's an awesome journey then man. ebooks for all distributors and then uh outside the panels also actually has an audiobook narrated by me um that's like available on audible stuff like that so it's it's kind wow. of every, everything i've everything it seems like oh yeah I've done a huge a bunch of stuff and that's definitely true I should own that but it's also like I did one thing seven years ago I did another thing six years ago I did another
0: thing five but years. you did it bro kind of step-by-step. I mean, it's step it's that, and it's fine I mean every journey is a step by step journey until you reach you know the 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 number one goal and then after you reach that you gotta have more goals because goals goals you know uh, things you gotta knock down so it, it shouldn't ever be just one it should be a multitude of many goals to knock down. Right. Definitely. And you're and you're doing that. So as a creator, just a salute to you, my brother, thank you. Thank you thank for sharing you. your story, you know, putting yourself out there, your creativity and sharing that with the world and with us.
1: You yeah, know, it I really, really does mean it. a lot
0: as a fan, bro. So just you know, you keep doing what you're doing, because this is the business. All right. So yeah, so with that, what type of advice would you give any creators, also newbies, trying to step into the game? You know, because you were a newbie once too, man, and you've achieved a lot of goals, man. So definitely pat yourself on the back, yo. You've done great. And, and how can you know? Let us let let the newbies know what they got to do to to you know at least you know get to where you at.
1: Sure, yeah. So I think um, part of it depends on I guess what type of creator you are. So I guess I'm gonna start with the type of creator I was when I started. So I I I kind of ha- have and it, it, well, it's I have it a little bit now, but especially before I started working on rebirth of gangster i have like a had a perfectionist tendency and i guess even though i want my work to be out there i definitely was a little fearful of the reaction it could get so i for rebirth the gangster i like i said i spent like a year like just brainstorming and then outlining um the whole series and then i kind of jumped into okay now let's do s- script 1 uh for issue 1 and so i had like by the time the Juan Romero, the artist for *Birth of the Gangster*, actually had finished drawing issue one, it was probably about a year and a half after I had started brainstorming for the series. So, oh, so wow. for me, I think that long path of brainstorming a lot, doing a lot of like revisions to the outlines, stuff like that. I think that helped me with my um, like perfectionist tendency. Um, and with again, yes, my my fear of just how people would <laughs> react and read it and respond to it, that I think it was helpful to have that like really solid foundation, but at some point I needed to let go of like that perfection tennis perfectionist tendency and like that obsession over the, every detail of all the minutia. Yeah. And I realized like, okay, now I'm starting on issue one and let's just focus just on issue one now. And if there's something that seems like a better fit. Then what I outlined it, I'm going to start now lis- listening a little more to my gut than just my brain because my outlining mm-hmm. and kind of brainstorming all that stuff was really just about brain and trying to be intellectual and analytical about how okay. does this flow. Um, but then once you start writing it, once I started really writing dialogue, writing scenes, I realized like, oh, this, this is definitely going to take on a life of its own. And there are some things that I thought would happen in like issue eight that maybe I should make them happy at issue four at this point. Okay. And so I think the the – the, that again, yeah, kind of starting with that really solid foundation helped me and then kind of learning to let go and learning to be a little bit more flexible, learning to kind of follow the voices of the character, um, and, uh, and just kind of be, yeah, just a little more adaptable. That was, that's been very helpful for me, um, in general. And I think also kind of something to to kind of dovetail into this is a similar approach worked really well with, my artists in general for all things, but Juan Romero for Rebirth of the Gangster specifically, is that I would write scripts oh, that Wong. were like, yeah, I would write scripts that were really detailed, like full, like full script. I'd even insert like some, some images of like the way, the way I thought the panel should be laid out. And I did that for the first few issues. And then I, and I'd say like, if you have anything that you think could, would work better, go for it. Um, and he did that oh, a little okay. bit. But I think that he still was kind of, especially early on, trying just to do, to kind of pay proper respect to, like, I guess my vision. And so he didn't go away from, like, my possible layouts much. And the more that I realized that the few times he did, he ended up coming up with something better than what I had. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> the artist knows how to lay out, how to make it look better, how to God. make it visually just appear on a page better. That's a big surprise. <laughs> um, but the more oh, I realized guys. that, I really shifted just to doing more of like the traditional Marvel style approach where.
0: Hey, Dave DeSoto right there. Give yeah, me a thanks. shout.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I I appreciate that shout out. Um, yeah. Hopefully we can get you for, for volumes two, three, and four.
0: Yeah. Um, get em, but yeah get I, them, I get I, them.
1: I, I completely agree. Juan Romero is so underrated. Um, I think even just this story of me being like, "Oh, I just could do Marvel style. Trust him, and he's going to come up <laughs> with something better." I think that is one perfect example of how truly underrated he is. That the more freedom you give him, the more he's bringing his his A game to the table, and it just well, is incredible.
0: That's right. It should give. I mean, li- you know, artists listen to the writers, you know, narrative, and then go for it. And before you go, Buck, just make sure y'all agree. But that's how it should be. Like, okay, I got your vision. Don't micromanage. How do you feel about this? And let that creative freedom flow. Look, look at that. You were so pleasantly surprised, obviously. <laughs> like, holy shit, damn, brother. Yeah. And I so, so yeah, I think
1: that 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 has definitely been um, kind of something similar again. Where I just needed. To, I guess part of it is like starting with more control and like a more detailed foundation helped me because I, I because of the yeah. issues I've talked about, I also have anxiety and depression, which I haven't talked about and I'm not going to get too much into here, but, but I think I mean, that does also influence some of these things, but then eventually I need to realize like, take the hands off. There are some things maybe I still want to control, but there are many things that I don't need to control. And that if I try, it's actually going to make it worse. And so
0: good, for and me, that was
1: very helpful. And then I'd say for Beowulf, for instance, I became, I I did a little bit of like the putting a lot of brainstorming a lot of details, but then I did I jumped Uh-oh. into, ah oh, nice thanks, uh, um, but yeah I I think that um, when I switched to Beowulf I was just much more about like I have this outline but I'm gonna be following my gut more and collaborating more with the artists we I think went to Marvel method. Within that first graphic novel, it's like that first prestige format graphic novel it's like a 50-page issue, I guess. So we did it a little bit earlier than I did with Juan, and that's again just because I think I like having a little bit of that at the beginning. But the more that I've a little bit more of control and details at the beginning, but the more that I've written and collaborated, the more I realize like I need to make that it
0: it takes a village shrink
1: that more and more and more each time.
0: It takes a village, you know, to create something because again, people are going to be just as passionate about your project as you are when you give them that access and they fall in love. So it becomes such a symbiotic and collaborative effort that only creates a wonderful product, what you had with rebirth of the gangster. So kudos to you, the team, you guys are definitely both something very special and awesome, bro. Thank you. And And yeah, again,
1: I just really want to keep saying Juan Romero is incredible to get more detail, like I think I just keep giving these blanket statements of he's awesome, but <laughs> kind of, kind of as, as the comment had said, like he has a great line weight and just like clean line. So there's not very many extraneous details. Um, he also does a really good job of playing with light and dark shadows, all that type of stuff, which is perfect for a noir comic, a neo-noir comic um, and any crime comic really. Um, and then he also does a really good job kind of making characters act. Um, since we don't really have, we don't have actually any internal monologue. There are some times where we have like dialogue from somebody in a different scene, overlapping the images of the new scene. So sometimes people might initially think that there is some internal dialogue or or monologue and stuff like that, but really we don't know what the characters are thinking. And sometimes that can be a good thing. Like when we need the character to be a little unreadable or to be, readable in two different directions because we are yeah. trying to build some suspense. Juan can nail that. He can make it, make the character not completely real, readable, but plant some seeds to let you see like, Oh, this part of the person's face makes me think they might be doing this, but the way they're holding their body thinks they might actually be thinking this. So Juan is a great at capturing at acting in that regard, but also at, at, at capturing the acting for characters. When we do want to know what characters are thinking, gotcha, we want gotcha. to see that. He knows the, how he move
0: to move a character yep. in the proper way
1: um and so i think that's something that is one of the the be- best things i think juan does like he has, has great layout designs and he handles like the the action and the car chase and the
0: uh-huh.
1: the the gunshot violence and all this stuff throughout uh-huh. the series very well but i think at the core of it it really is a character story there's definitely a lot of plot going on but i think the strength of the the story is the character is hunter and marcus as i've said hunter's mom andrea who's kind of looking to a little nostalgic for those old days and starts maybe getting back into some of the some of the dark stuff
0: hey linda
1: hunter's mom who's dealing with cancer that's when i thought it was out yeah just when she thought she was out and another similar linda uh, hunter's hunter's mom she's an opioid addict and she's kind of kicked the habit but now she's um she had kicked the habit as much as you can if you're an addict you're obviously still an addict um but it's she's been it's at, a she's, lifetime
0: journey. That yep. Show, um, but then she faces the newest. Hey, William, shut up. Yeah. Look at yeah, that. Thank Look you. Look at that. Look at that. He knows about Juan. Yeah. There you go. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Design. I can, it's I it's can see compliment.
1: that Mignola effect. I can see some like Darwin Cook, Charlie Adler effect, but I agree. He's kind of transcended to, to his own style. Um, and yeah, just uh, again, Linda, she get, got Hunter's mom developed develop cancer. And so now she's struggling with that, but also with the pain meds that. Our opioids that deal with her addiction. Um, we have a cop who used to be friends with Mark, with Hunter back in high school, and now she's on the case, mm. um, facing some conflicted loyalties between wow. Hunter and the case, but also between uh,
0: her job and her partner. Now, you know, damn, man! I'm hearing so many things. old gangster movies. I'm hearing power. I'm hearing so many different things here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're right, on. Is dope, bro. This Empire. Is, what the hell's going on? Here? Well, I wanted
1: to make it something that truly justified that 24 issue length. Because I wanted I want to have enough depth for people to keep rereading, for things to be to like setting things up in issue three that get don't oh. get get uh, really relevant until issue thirteen, stuff like that. Um,
0: so I like. I, think that. It I, also, I like that. That's I think cool. I
1: did the, something that's standard for or pretty standard for beginning writers is this is my first thing. I'm going to throw a bunch of influence, a bunch of what I want to do because I want to, since it is my first thing, I don't know what else is going to happen after this. And I want to make this first thing as much a reflection of me and my interests as possible. And so, yeah, that's why I've thrown in everything about the kitchen sick, I guess.
0: Got you got this, kiddo. I know yeah, you do. You. This is awesome. Obviously, you have fans that appreciate it.
1: So obviously yeah, um, all you, the good words. You're
0: winning, bro. You're winning. You got <laughs> yeah, it. Thanks. You got this, kiddo. You and Juan, and, you know, salute to you and Juan. Yeah, you know, God bless you guys on the journey. Thank you for the time. So, again, folks, I want you to follow my big homie right here, CJ, on Twitter, and Insta is CJ underscore Standal. and on Facebook, he's straight up CJ Standal. S-T-A-N-D-A-L. Okay, folks, just in case you need that spelling. Yeah. And that'll be the same for the website. It's cjstandalproductions.com. You know, they got links. You got you got images so you can get a taste of the beautiful uh, words and art by this amazing creative team. So make sure you check that out. Brother, you have been nothing but an amazing guest. You okay. got this kiddo. I can't wait.
1: Okay, yeah, I appreciate it. how
0: this ends, bro. It's going to be nuts, isn't it? Yeah, it All is right? going to be nuts.
1: Yeah, the last the last few issues are wild. Thank um, you, actual Marvel
0: expert. Yeah, thank you. Wepa.
1: Um, and yeah, before, two quick things before I forget. One, just you've been a fabulous host, um, kind of helping. Thank you. Answering, asking the right questions, letting me kind of <laughs> speak, which I appreciate. I think I'm not a teacher anymore, but sometimes that teacher <laughs> impulse needs to get out. Um, but yeah, keeping it light-hearted and very positive affair. I appreciate it.
0: Nah, but um, that's what we do at comic Crew, man. It's all about the love for people like yeah. you, creative people. Because again, like I stated, when I give you your flowers, it takes a very special and brave kind of person to put, you know, something that they love out there in that creative space, you know, yeah. to be judged by others. Because that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. But also for me, I don't judge. I enjoy. I love it. I love that. <laughs>
1: yeah, I, I'm the same way. And actually, the more that I've, re- the more I've created, the more I realize. I can, I can be reading something and be like, oh, yeah, I do this, that, this differently, this differently. But the more that I create, the more I realize like there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that I don't know why it led to this. Yeah. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to say like, this is what worked well. And,
0: yep. and, and, that, and yeah. I, know
1: th- I know things sometimes get out of our control, and that's just what happens.
0: Yeah, man, ain't no need to to disrupt. You could be creative. I mean, constructive in any type of criticism for anything and everybody. You know, don't tear it down. Just you know, talk about what you love, and they'll get the hint about what wasn't love, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> That's all. I hate when people tear down anyone because you know, again, I can't write or draw for shit you know i could attempt i could attempt so you know that's why i say i look up to people like you i mean you guys are heroes inspirations and motivators so yes again thank you for for doing what you do especially yeah. as a teacher again i once again salute you for your service because i can't imagine teaching a bunch of kids brother whoo i have one kid <laughs> and that was another handful you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> so with that my brother don't you worry. But with that, brother, thank you again. Much love. And my people, you know yes. what to do. It's undercover com. Check out Max and the family trying to use on outside The panel's been dropping shows like crazy. You know, every week, dope interviews. Cinema Crusaders dropping every Tuesday, Thursday with some stuff. You got one supposed radio tonight on his channel. Check out Barn Adam. You got some funny stuff going on tonight that you're definitely going to love. And with that, yo, I'm out. Thank you again. Thank you for listening to the comic Crusaders podcast. If you like the content, please subscribe and turn on notifications. Also, please visit Comic Crusaders.com and our extended podcast family over at UndercoverCaves.com. And also, make sure to download the Comic Crusaders app on the Google Play Store today.